Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, November 6th. Feels like only days ago that we were wondering whether we were going to get to see any professional tennis during the remainder of this 2020 year. Of course, now we've only got three championship weekends left of these 2020 ATP and WTA seasons. Of course, this week we've got the Masters 1000 in Paris, and it is looking like it is going to deliver us a really fun semifinal and final weekend of action. Of course, we've also got a couple of challengers going on. We've got ITF action going on across the globe. A really fun time to be a professional professional tennis fan. Of course, what I want to do on today's podcast, talk about how we got to this championship weekend, Thursday's round of 16 matches, talk about, you know, the players who shined the most, the players who, little disappointing that we're not going to get to see them, but you look at the field in Paris, the final eight players remaining. It is a really, really loaded field of players worthy of a Masters 1000 event. So, of course, very much looking forward to talking about Thursday's matches in Paris. I want to quickly say a couple of things before we get into today's podcast. First, uh, number one, we've got some really fun things planned here at Crack Rackets. Of course, we are getting ready to transition into off-season mode in the professional tennis world, but we're ready to start up our preview of the 2021 ITA College Tennis season. Chris Halioris, Matt Sikoyak, and I going to be coming together a bunch over these next ten weeks to preview our favorite teams heading into the dual match portion of the year. Hopefully, of course, we get a 2021 dual match season. But as part of that preview process, uh, we're going to be in interviewing our top 11 men's tennis teams coaches. Now, we are planning, hopefully, to get it, it to have uh, some top 10 women's coaches as well over the course of this time, but we've already got our men's interview set up. The reason we're doing 11, not 10, we had a tie in our Cracked Rackets poll. Chris, Matt, and I were voting. We had a tie for 10th, so rather than exclude one of those teams, we figured, hey, why not text that 11th coach, see if they would be in as well. They said yes. So, on the Cracked Interviews podcast over these next 10 weeks, next week, it's going to be two coaches are tied for 10th teams, then it's going to be one coach for the rest of the next 10 weeks until we get to ITA kickoff weekend. Again, hoping that we have an ITF kickoff weekend, but it's not just going to be the cracked interviews with the coaches. Matty Stokowiak going to be writing up a little season preview article for our website, and then Matt, Chris, and I are going to come together either on this podcast or the Great Shot podcast to break down our thoughts for all of these top 10 teams heading into 2021. So be on the lookout for all of that content. Also be on the lookout for two really fun interviews we did next week. Had the chance to sit down with, I would argue, two of the 10 best players in the past 25 years of American men's tennis. I got the chance to speak with Jean-Michael Gamble, and of course, I got the chance to talk with James Blake these past couple of days. Those are podcasts you all are going to be able to hear next week on the Cracked Interviews podcast, so be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review, share that podcast with your friends, and again, you can find all of our content on our website, CrackedRackets.com. And by the way, the reason we're able to do this sort of content day in, day out, not only because of the support we get from our listeners, not only because of the support we get from our amazing Patreon family, but of course, because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. You go to MidwestSports.com, you're going to find anything you need from a tennis equipment standpoint. All of the best brands, all of the lowest prices. You use our promo code CR15, you'll 
15% off your order free. Two-day shippings on all orders exceeding $75. And best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Just go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15. And of course, go to Aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15 to order yourself up a case of the only tennis-specific energy bars in the business. More potassium than a banana. Delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavor. And as Dr. Mark Kovacs told us on our Getting to the Point episode this week, nutrition, one of the most underrated aspects for juniors out there. You don't realize how important it is to get yourself properly fueled during a match. You can just do just that by ordering yourself up a case of Aero Bars. Again, go to aerobar.com. Use the uh, promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your order. All right. With that in mind, let's talk about Thursday's matches in the professional tennis world, and let's start with the action in Paris because it was a really fun day of matches. You look across the board, we had four of the eight battles go three sets. Let's start with the most surprising result of the day, and if I would have told you two years ago Stan Wawrinka beat Andre Rublev 1-6-6-4-6-3, you'd been like, wow, that's a really good performance for Andre Rublev, but Rublev had won something like, what, 12 matches in a row or 15-1 and one in his last 16? if you include the French Open, something crazy like that. Of course, a couple of ATP 500 titles along the way. He raced out to a 6-1 first set over Stan Wawrinka, and yet it was Wawrinka once again this week who comes back from a set deficit down, ends up surviving in this match, and takes it over Andre Rublev, advancing to the quarterfinals 1-6, 6-4, 6-3. As I mentioned, he did the same thing yesterday against Tommy Paul, was down against Dan Evans, it felt like, in that second set before coming back and beating him in straights as well. And, you know, he is playing his match against Alex Zverev. As I am recording this, he loses the first there. But for Stan Wawrinka, I think what he's shown this week, again, if he has time, if he's able to dictate, if he's able to play plus one tennis, it looks as good as ever. Now, in that first set, Andre Rublev just jumped on him. I mean, the serve was overwhelming. The uh, uh, Wawrinka backhand, it allowed Rublev to play plus one tennis to find first forehands. And once he finds one forehand, Rublev finds the second and then the third and either finds a win in the point or a fourth forehand to win him the point. I mean, that's how efficient he's been, but huge credit to Stan Wawrinka, and we continue to say this about Andre Rublev. Maybe the only fault he has left in his game is he's still not an elite mover. Now, he's gotten a lot better, but he's not an elite mover. I don't think he's got, you know, the most ridiculous first step. I think you can get him stretched to the corners, have, given, you know, he struggles to recover everything, sometimes does feel a little bit stiff. He's not as fluid as some of these other athletes. Of course, he's just as powerful as any of them but the fluidity a little bit lacking. And credit to Stan Wawrinka, who realized after dropping that first set, I came at this, you know, he's like, I approached this match completely incorrectly. This is not a match I need to grind Rublev down. This is a match I need to change direction. I need to be assertive. I need to take my chances. And even if I lose, I go down swinging. And, you know, for Stan Wawrinka, that one-handed backhand down the line, one of the most beautiful, you know, aesthetically shots in tennis history, it was working for him on this day. He found inside out, inside in in forehands, opened up the court for himself, really did his best to play deep down the center so as to not give Rublev any angle to open up, and then he would be the one opening up angle for himself. He moved forward. I thought he just did a really uh, smart job in this match, did better and better as the match went on, attacking the second serve of Andre Rublev. You look during the course of this match, again, it was a three-set battle, and some of the sets, uh, some of the stats lopsided given the way the first set went, but 
you look overall in this match for Stan Wawrinka, again, it was just tactically he played a sound match. Set number one, he made 69% of his first serves. That wasn't good enough. So in set two, he made 78. In set three, back down to 48%, but did a little bit more with his second serve, was really keying in on that plus one ball in that second or in that third set. He dropped five of the 21 points, so 16 of 21 on service points in general. He just did a really good job protecting his serves. And again, this match was one on the margins that first set sort of lopsiding the score but overall you know Stan Wawrinka only uh, breaks serve three times ditto for Andre Rublev who's just not able to break serve in the second and third set uh, I mean yeah that's about as good as this, of a serving performance as you can hope for Stan who again I think on the days he's able his opponents can get him stretched on the day you know he's just as dangerous I should say as ever he now maybe the weaknesses are a little bit more glaring than they once used to be but Stan Wawrinka is absolutely still a player who on his best days can just hit you off the court and you can still see that and so you know was this a surprising win absolutely but a deserved win for Stan Wawrinka to advance to the quarterfinals where he will now take on Alex Zverev and you know, I, it was either yesterday or a couple of days ago we talked about the developments in Alex Sferev, uh, you know, or Alia Sharapova, I should say, her story coming public, talking about the physical and mental abuse she suffered at the hands of Alex Sferev. Sferev yet to comment on the story, avoiding the press right now in Paris. And by the way, the ATP not doing a good job in terms of transparency. What are they doing right now? Are they hosting their own investigation? Are they going to punish Alex Sferev, even though there are no criminal charges? But, you know, again, there has been no uh, evidence to deny anything that Alia Sharapova has uh said that Alex Zverev has done to her and so and you know Zverev isn't speaking about it and so I don't want to speak about Alex Zverev I think we've talked about him so much on this podcast I think you all know my thoughts on his tennis game I will just simply add he gets a 7-6-6-7-6-4 victory Alex Zverev is in the penalty box I will not be talking about him uh, on this podcast if we can at all avoid it but he did get a three-set victory yesterday the other three-set winners I mean, this kid just survives. I don't know how you put Ugo Umbert. I don't know how you beat him. I don't know how you, like, I don't know what to do. He's never tired. He keeps playing three-set matches. He keeps finding big serves, big down-the-line shots, tracking down that extra ball. Just, the guy looks like a stud, an absolute stud, and gets another three-set win over a well-rested uh, Marin Cilic in today's match for Ugo Umbert. 6-3, 6-7, 6-3. I mean, he even lost the breaker, and it felt like after that, okay, maybe this is the one where Umbert's able not able to bounce back maybe his legs he starts to feel it a little bit but absolutely not I mean it's unbelievable so uh you know for Ugo Umber he just he finds the big serves he's so confident under uh under pressure and he gets the victory so Umber 636763 he's just not afraid of the moment right now and that confidence palpable so really enjoyable to watch and then the last three set battle was an absolute pleasure we finally got to see the the the, the, the meal blah, 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 blah. let me just leave it all in Westoff, but we finally got to see the Daniil Medvedev of 2019 as Medvedev 5-7-6-2-6-2 over Alex Dimenauer. I mean, the entire variety of uh, the entire, you know, tool set that 
uh, Daniil Medvedev has available to him, it was on display in this match. I mean, the drop shots, the lobs, the stretch slices to get the point back to neutral, the serve and volleys, all of the funky stuff. Uh, it was working for Daniil Medvedev, and after he got broken at 5-6 by Demon Hour, you thought to yourself, oh, over these past few weeks, really these past few months, this has been the sort of match he loses a close first set. Daniil Medvedev's gone away in a way that he wasn't last season, and that just wasn't the case in this match. Medvedev continues to scrap and claw his way back into this one, and then, I mean, just he had the biggest weapon on the court. He was he could go stride for stride with Demon Hour in terms of making this match a track meet. It was really difficult for Demon Hour to hurt Medvedev outside of when he made his first serve, and I mean, for Daniil Medvedev, here's the difference in this match. Medvedev, 15 of 28 on second serve points. Demon Hour, 11 of 29 on second serve points. Medvedev was just attacking that return, taking it big down the line. When he moved forward, he had more success than Demon Hour did, who just had a little bit more court open for the passing shot. And of course, Daniil Medvedev wants to hit those on-the-run passing shots, executed them brilliantly today. I thought this was a good match from Demon Hour. I mean, the second serve hung a little bit, but this was just an outstanding performance from Daniil Medvedev, who I just think quietly, given... He just doesn't seem as worn down as a Tsitsipas, as a Djokovic, as an Adal, as a he-who-must-not-be-named Lord Voldemort right now, and I... You're going to get really good. Rublev, too, has played so many matches, right? I just think you're going to get really nice odds on a futures bet. Daniil Medvedev to win this year's year-end finals, and... I know, you know, let's see how he competes against Schwartzman. Let's see how he competes the rest of this week here in uh, in Paris. But I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I'm coming back around on the Daniel Medvedev again. The ceiling for him, I mean, the floor for him is just so high in any given match. It's so difficult to win a point against him. And yeah, there are times when you're like, can this guy even hit a winner if he tried? And you're just like, I don't even know. Uh, but on the days it looks good, it looks really good. And it was phenomenal today from Daniel Medvedev. Straight uh, three-set victory, 5-7, 6-2, again for him over Daniel Medvedev. Your other winners on the day, uh, over Alex Dimonauer, your other winners on the day, Diego Schwartz. Schwartzman. Anyone who thought, oh, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina up 6-2-5-2 before losing that match in Cologne to Schwartzman, maybe this is the time where he writes the ship, where he makes amends for that blowing of a lead. No, 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 no. Diego Schwartzman said, oh, I realize I need to be awake from ball number one of this match. One in one victory for Schwartzman. He is a match away from clinching a spot in the year-end championships. It's either going to be him or it's going to be Pablo Carino Busa who needs a Schwartzman loss and then needs to beat Rafael Nadal tomorrow, win this event, I think even maybe win or make the finals of Sofia as well. But Carino Busta did his job today, a 5-2 and two victory over Norbert Gombos. Again, it's going to be Schwartzman or PCB to round out that year-end championship field. It's looking... Would I like Ugo Umber at this point in the number eight spot? Honestly, I think I would. I mean, who has more men? Considering, you know, we're not really getting a full year top eight player, I just want the most momentum, the players with the most momentum, the players with the most confident playing their best in this year on championships. I think given his back-to-back Cologne runs, Zverev, tennis-wise, has solidified his spot there. Tsitsipas, tennis-wise, has solidified their spot there. Dominic Team, Grand Slam champion, of course, as well. And then you throw in Djokovic Nadal for those last three spots. If Medvedev wins this tournament in Paris, I will feel a lot better about his inclusion in the year on championships because, to be honest, otherwise it was kind of a poo-poo year for him. Uh, but in terms of those six and seven spots, I mean, I think Andre Rublev is the ATP player of the year. That spot goes without saying. 
I mean, Schwartzman made the semifinals of the French Open, right? Carino Busta made the semifinals of the U.S. Open. They clearly accumulated more points than Ugo Umber, but Ugo Umber was a multi, uh, multi-title winner this year on the ATP Tour. He was clearly one of the breakthrough stars of the season as well. I feel no shame saying I don't feel embarrassed. I think it's a good take. Ugo Umber should be your eighth person at this year-end finals, but the fact that it's Schwartzman or PCB, both very deserving, means it's going to be a really fun field of action. So, of course, that's something we all have to look forward to in the final year, uh, final week of this season's ATP Tour play. Uh, again, a couple of your last winner, the one I didn't mention, uh, last two, Milos Raonic, 6-2 and two over Marco Scarone. I'm just going to keep saying it. Raonic going to Rayonich, uh, and that's what he did today. And then finally, Rafa wasn't great, but was good enough. One in six over Jordan Thompson today. Still has not played his best tennis in this event. The indoor hard courts. I don't want to say he looks vulnerable, but his ball is just not as effective on an indoor hardcourt as it is on a clay court, and that goes without saying. Uh, I mean, he's freaking a hundred and two, right, or a hundred and one and two at Roland Garros, but. Uh, it's weird. It's a little weird. I'm like, this Rafa seems kind of vulnerable, and I know he beat Thompson. I know he beat Feliciano Lopez, and I think he's going to beat Pablo Carino Busta today as well, but I mean, again, it's whatever. I don't think he's—you're going to have him as one of the favorites at the year-end championships. He's never won it before, and honestly, maybe he does end up winning the title. Maybe he wins his first year-end championship, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But anyways, it should be a really fun quarterfinal Friday of play. Looking forward to talking about all of that on tomorrow's mini break. Let's quickly go through the rest of the action happening across the tennis world. Some of the ITF challenger action going on. Yesterday, not too many matches in Parma. You had Roberto Marcora coming back from a set down to knock off young Italian and rising star Lorenzo Musetti. 3-6-6-3-6-4 for Musetti. I mean, just the level of play kind of dipped down the, you know, after the halfway through that second set. And then he was fine during the third, but Marcora made the match physical. And credit to him because uh, Musetti, an incredible ball striker. And Marcora, just 31 years old, I think, made that extra ball, made the match as physical as possible, tried to pick on the Musetti backhand as frequently as possible with the serve. Uh, it was a good game plan from Marcora, a very good victory for him. And for Musetti, yeah, you probably should win that match, but... 2020 was a win in the Musetti book, so doesn't. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but I'm pretty sure he'll be just fine. Moving on from this one, your other winners on the day. Cedric marcel Steve knocks off my guy. Kimra Copenhagen, 7-6-6-4. And then Max Cressy. Look, I don't care where the event is. I don't care what portion of the season it is. If it's an indoor hardcore event and Max Cressy's playing it at the challenger level, he absolutely can win that event. We saw him do it in Cleveland. We saw him do it at the beginning of this season as well. Now here in Parma, he reaches the quarter finals as he knocks off Italian wildcard Luca Nardi, 6-3-7-6. Good victory for the uh, former UCLA Bruin as he continues inching closer and closer to that top 100. And I swear to God, if Max Cressy ever learns how to play tennis outside of just the serving and volleying, he is going to be one hell of a tennis player. Those were the results in Parma, in uh, in Germany, on the indoor carpet. Your winners yesterday, Matrizak, three-set win over Sefillian. That was just as enjoyable to watch as it sounds. Popperin knocks off Kohler. Ivashka 0-1 over Yuri Rodionov. I was wrong about that match just straight up. I thought Rodionov was going to pull off the upset. 
that was not the case. And then Marc-Andre Hussler, 3-1 victory. He continues his stellar form as he knocks off Matthias Bockinger to set up our quarterfinals on Friday. In terms of the ITF match, uh, matches, the quarterfinal matches you have on Friday in America, Ty Kwiatkowski versus Alexis Galarno. Those are two of the 20 best college tennis players in the past. Ah, might be a little bit high for Galarno, but I mean, he's been really, really, really good. He might be 20 based on talent, but I'm talking about accomplishments. Obviously, though, that's some great ACC tennis, speaking of which two other college tennis studs, Brandon Holt. We know what he did during his four years at USC. He's taken on one-year wonder Patrick Kipson of Texas A&M, former Kalamazoo champion. Kentucky's Liam Draxel taken on Baylor's Charlie Broom. And then USC's Roberto Quiroz taken on talented young American junior Martin Dam. That's what the men are up to for the women. Bunch of Americans knocked off yesterday in the round of 16. We saw Caroline Dallahide, Emma Navarro, uh, Cece Bellis, and Haley Baptiste all lose their matches now for Baptiste. She lost a fellow American Lauren Davis for Emma Navarro, fellow American Claire Liu. But you look at today's quarterfinal matches, you've got Talaba versus Sharif, you've got Ann Lee versus Masaki Doi, Claire Liu versus Renata Zarazua, and then Lauren Davis versus Katarina, uh, I believe, Kawa. So again, should be a really fun weekend of action across the professional tennis world. If you have missed anything that's been going on, be sure to go check out our website, crackedrackets.com. Be sure to check out all of our podcasts. This one, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, and Inside Out Podcast. Like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Of course, you need those more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly. I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an any job they do day in day out shout out of course to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar as well go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use that promo code uh, cracked 15 and of course look good feel good play good midwest sports uh aerobar cracked rackets but with that in mind for our friends at midwest sports and aerobar our super producers flickner and westoff and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex Gruskin. you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all next time thanks everyone